Hello and welcome into today's episode where we will be joining Canvas Shelbyville where I am bringing a word that is near and dear to my heart. I pray that it blesses you today. Get ready because I believe God is getting ready to do something incredible in your life with the message that you are about to hear. This is just something that is just heavy on my heart today um, to bring you and it's a topic that we need to talk about. You know, I planned on finishing out our series in dripping this morning. Uh, but the Lord had other plans as of yesterday. I had all my notes. I had everything put together and had my scriptures laid out and everything put together. Um, but as you'll see here in just a second, I'll describe to you what happened to me yesterday. But uh, we're not, we're not going to finish the series on dripping and talking about the anointing. Hopefully, we'll close that out next week. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the Lord does today. But I just felt very impelled Um, to talk on a subject today that's a hot topic in our society and in our community. Amen? And that topic is life. Because the Bible has a lot to say about life, y'all. And can I just go ahead and be very open and transparent with you this morning as we get this thing started? What I'm talking to you about today and what we're going to discuss and what I'm going to preach, it's the Bible. This ain't about politics. Uh, Y'all asleep this morning, maybe. This ain't about politics. This ain't about elephants and donkeys. Come on, this ain't about red versus blue. This ain't about none of that stuff. This is about what the Bible has to say about life and what we as believers should be taking a stance on. So hear me out today. I'm not trying to be political. Let me tell you something right now. I'm trying to advance the kingdom of God. I don't have time to be political. I I don't have time to play games. People's souls are on the line. People's eternities and their eternal destinations are on the line. So guess what? If pastor ain't got time to be political, you don't either. We're called to be kingdom-minded people. We're called to be citizens of heaven and to act as such and to to walk as such in the earth. We're not from here, y'all. So we don't have to look like everybody else. And when you don't look like everybody else, get ready because you're not going to be the most popular at work no more. (laughs) You you are not going to get the most likes and the most follows and the most clicks on social media anymore. If you're going to be kingdom... You better get real tough, real quick. Because if they hated him, they will hate you as well. No servant is greater than his master. And we serve a master who was hung on a tree, beaten and bruised by the world around him. Quit trying to fit in with everybody else around you. Because you ain't called to do it. Amen? Amen. Now that I've buttered you up a little bit, here we go. Here we go. Stand with me for the reading of God's word. It is just our custom here at Canvas Shebbyville that we stand and honor the reading of God's word. Amen. You can turn to Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 24 is where I'm going to be coming from today. And the Bible says this. For you created... My innermost parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. (laughs) Did you know that about yourself? That you are awesomely and wonderfully made by your creator. Wonderful all your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my formless substance, and in your book were written all the days ordained for me. Man, I wish I could preach that today, but I can't. But, but do you understand that God has an assignment for your life, that God has a plan for your life before you ever got here. Maybe we'll touch on this next week in Ephesians chapter 2. But do you understand that God had a plan and a purpose for your life? You're not here by accident. 
I don't care how you got here. I don't care if you came here out of wedlock. Come, come on, somebody. I, I, I don't care if you came and your mother was right. I don't care how you got here. I know that God's word says that he had a plan for you because you were, he shaped you and formed you in your mother's womb. I don't care who's abandoned you. I don't care who has left you. I don't care what the world has tried to sell you and tell you. I came to tell you this morning that all the days of your life was preordained and planned by a loving father. And I ain't going here this week, but next week I'm going to go here. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2? Sorry, we'll get to the scripture in just a second. Just stay standing. You're all right. But do you understand that the Bible says, the Bible says that you are the workmanship of Christ, created in Christ for good works that, watch this, you should follow them. Not that you would. The Bible says that you should. So even though your life is preordained and planned for you, you still got something to do with it. All the days that were ordained before me, when as yet there was none of them, how precious are your thoughts for me, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you would put wicked to death, God. Leave me, you men of bloodshed, for they speak against you wickedly, and your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with the utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. Yeah, your Bible just said, hey, don't worry, I'll explain it in a little bit. They have become my enemies. Watch this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Put me to the test and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in your way, everlasting. Father, in the name of Jesus, I need help today. Father, I just, I just need some help today to preach the word. God, help me to preach this thing with passion, fervency, and fire. But Lord, may it be soaked and coated in love. May it be soaked and coated in love. Because God, we're going to talk about some tough things today. We're going to talk about some tough topics. And we're going to talk about where we are as a nation. But God, you are the answer. And your people that carry the Christ on the inside of them. Your people that are the hands and feet. Your people who you have anointed and ordained in the earth are the answer to every single problem that's in the earth. Father, give us the strength and the courage to rise up and be the people that you have called us to be. Be the individuals who, have you, have, who you have called and created us to be, God. Filled with love and passion. Help me to preach today, God. I thank you for what you're about to do in this place. In the name of Jesus and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Brandon, you can take a seat. I might call you back up here in a little bit. So yesterday I was at my office in preparation uh, for today. But something come upon me that I could not shake you know, I planned on finishing out our series, dripping and talking about the anointing, and and uh, but God would not let me shake. He would not let me move from the topic that was blowing up my news feed, and that's blowing up your news feed right now, or that is on every news and channel and outlet when you turn on your TV. It's a topic that you and your friends are texting about. It's a it's a topic that you are sitting around the dinner table most likely this week, maybe even having a discussion about, but that topic is life. And if I had a title for today's message, it would just simply be that life. Come on, somebody. I said life. Do you understand that God gives you life and that God wants others to have life? That's why he has created us. And you know, a lot of preachers, there's a lot of preachers that won't say a word about it while preaching today because they don't want to be divisive or they don't want to be controversial. But I came to remind the church of Jesus Christ this morning 
that Jesus made a very powerful statement in the word. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. It will set father against son and son against father. It will set mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Meaning, if you are followers of me, I'm going to call you to a standard of living. And not everybody around you is going to agree with it. And if you are for me, you won't be able to be with them because they are now enemies of the cross. Sure, Jesus came to bring peace and peace that surpasses all understanding. But that doesn't mean you make peace with God's enemies. That, that doesn't mean that you make peace with God's enemies. Because watch this. You can love your enemy. You can clothe your enemy. And you can feed your enemy. All while not going into a treaty with it. Oh, I knew I wasn't going to get no help. I said that you can love your enemy, you can clothe your enemy, you can feed your enemy, but you don't have to go into a treaty with them. You don't have to go into agreement with them. Come on, somebody. Like if they are an enemy of the cross, if they are an enemy of your God, they are an enemy of you as well. That enemy wants to take you out. That enemy wants to kill and destroy destinies. We're talking about abortion a little bit this morning. And so do you understand that the enemy is trying to take people out before they ever have a chance? chance to operate in their destiny and in their calling and in their purpose and the reason why they were shaped and formed in the womb that we just read about come on you can love your enemy while not making a treaty with the enemy you know I wasn't even gonna go here but here I go I come from a different type of background and people trip me out today because the the background that I come from if, if you're rolling with me and you have an enemy, that enemy is now my enemy. Period. Thank you. That, that's called loyalty. Come on. So, so what I want to ask you today, are you loyal to the king? Come on, somebody. Or are you loyal to the world and its principles and its standards? Are you loyal to the word of God? Are you loyal to his church? Are you loyal to your brothers and your sisters that are sitting right beside you, ready to go to war and ready to go for, to battle for you? So do you understand if we humans can understand this principle, do we not understand that that's the way that God works as well? I'm thankful for a God that has my back. That if there is an enemy that is coming against my life, that it's God's enemy too. Oh, y'all lost a real, y'all missed a real good time to shout right there. Because do you understand the validity of that statement that if you have an enemy, it is now God's enemy because God created you with destiny and purpose. And by the way, the only enemy that you have is the enemy that would come against your destiny and your purpose. So do you understand if there's something coming against your destiny? I ain't talking about when your fries get left out of the bag at McDonald's. Come on. I'm talking about when destiny and purpose is on the line. And righteousness and holiness is on the line. And God's word that people are trying to debate about when there's nothing to debate about. What's written is written. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, he said, it is written. Come on. We, we don't have to go into a treaty with the enemy. But we can still love them. And I'm going to talk some more about that here in a little bit with the capital C church. Come on. But as we're getting started today, I want to give you this little disclaimer. Because this topic of life we're going to talk about today, and we're going to the scriptures on this topic. Come on. How many of you know when you come to church? Come on. How many of you know when you sit underneath a pastor and you sit underneath a leader? He can get up there and preach and scream and yell all you want, but if he ain't got no Bible to back up what it is that he's telling you, you need to get up out from underneath that leadership. You need to get out from underneath that church. Come on. I don't care if they can scream and yell. I don't care if they can shout and dance and run up on the pews. If they ain't got no word, I ain't got time for it. So let's get into the scriptures here in a minute. But watch this. This is not about politics. This isn't about, this isn't about elephants. This isn't about donkeys. This isn't about R versus D. This isn't about red versus blue. This is about evil versus good. And this is about right versus wrong. This is God against Satan. And watch this. This is about God coming against the depravity of man. And a fallen and a sinful world. 
I had folks going crazy the other day on social media, and they was talking about, well, God creates child molesters, and God creates uh, uh, murderers, and that no, no, people create those things. We have tried to sexualize a generation, and then we wonder why people can't control themselves sexually. You can't even turn on the TV without seeing somebody half naked or having sex almost. The youth are out of the room. The kids are out of the room. We all adults in here. We can have a grown-up conversation today, I think. Come on. Come on. But we wonder why these things are happening in our nation. Come on. I came to talk to somebody about life this morning. Come on. I said I, talk, I came to talk to somebody about life this morning. Jesus said, I come to bring life and life more abundantly. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God came so that he would bring life. Jesus says, I come to bring life and life more abundantly, meaning I came to not only give you eternal life, but I came to give you life in the here and now. Well, what's that? John 17 tells you it's to know the one true God and Jesus Christ, his son, whom he sent. The Bible tells you, because that's a big question. Well, what is eternal? What is eternal? Where is eternal life? What is eternal life? John 17 answers the question for you. That eternal life is knowing God and knowing his son, Jesus Christ, whom he sent. It's simple. It's called the simple gospel. But, but we complicate these things. Well, how do I get to know God? Through his word. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Watch this. And the word was God. What are you trying to say, pastor? If to know God is where eternal life is found, and God is the word, you better know the word. Because eternal life, watch this, y'all, eternal life is not saying a prayer and bowing your head at the end of a service. Look, I will do anything to make somebody feel comfortable and receive Christ. But please hear me out on this thing. That is not where eternal life is found. It is found through a relationship with Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, to believe in your heart and to confess with your mouth. See, we've taught in the Americanized church that it's just the confess with your mouth thing. No, it's the believe in your heart thing too. It takes two to tango, baby. You can't have one without the other. You got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord. Because if you really believe in your heart, things will begin to shift and change in your life. Your desires will not be the same. You will not talk the same. You will not act the same because your desires have changed because you've actually gotten born again. I feel this thing this morning. Come on. Come on. We better know the word. We better know the word because eternal life is not found in a one-time prayer at the end of a service, but it is through a relationship and knowing the one true God through his word. So you can't know who God is where your entire life is hidden, by the way. I'm, I keep diving into next week's and, and into Drippin's last part. We read it last week, though. Colossians 3 says your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your entire life is wrapped up in God. You understand without God, you're just a dead man walking? Your body is alive, but your spirit is dead. That's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. He told Adam and Eve, the day that you eat of that tree, surely you will die. When they ate of the tree, did they die physically? No, they died spiritually. Everybody looking for the apocalypse. We in the middle of one right now. People walking around America dead. Dead. You ain't got to go far for a zombie apocalypse. Just get on social media a little bit. Just walk out into the, go to the mall. There are dead people walking everywhere. That's why it's so important of what we're doing in here. Because this ain't a country club or, or, or a little club meeting. No, no, no. This is about equipping you to go out there so that those people can come to life. So that they can get born again. Come on, this is a training facility. So you can't know who God is where your entire life is hidden, by the way. Everything that you're supposed to do, everything that you're supposed to become, every assignment that you're supposed to have, every person that you're supposed to be connected with is hidden in Christ, your anointing, in God. 
So we're going to see what the word has to say about life. Come on, because if the word, if eternal life is found in God and God is the word, then we got to get into the word. But yesterday around 12, I began to feel this incredible burden for the earth. It was so heavy that I began to feel physically sickened by the weight of it. And like I said, I came to my office trying to prepare the message to close out the series, but God would not let me shake this feeling. He just had me going from scripture to scripture and situation to situation in the word where he was talking about life. And he just had me going from scripture to scripture on life and how he was intricately involved at every step of the process in our lives beginning in heaven then from heaven straight to the womb and then all the way to the grave you understand the bible talks about it all so the weight and the heaviness and this burden stayed with me all throughout the day and the weirdest part of this thing is that i felt a weight i felt a burden i even felt physical sickness on my body but all at the same time i felt this tremendous amount of joy and so I'm kind of freaking out, y'all. I, I, I'm kind of freaking out because if I could be honest and be transparent with you for a second, I'm beginning to get worried because I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, am I having like a bipolar attack or am I having like a schizophrenia attack? Because I feel this weight. I feel almost sick to my stomach. I'm bothered. But then on the other flip side of the coin, there is this joy that's on the inside of me. Like, am I losing my mind? Why do I feel this way I was split in two with a flood of emotions and I was joyous because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade and that lives would be saved but then I saw the wickedness and the depravity of man in full effect and then I noticed something even more heartbreaking that the depravity and the wickedness that was bothering me so much and that I was seeing go all over the country the, since Thursday was that it was coming from God's church. That, that it was coming from God's church. Or should I say that the, that the wickedness that got my attention, because I know that the world is wicked, but the wickedness that was breaking my heart and the wickedness that was really getting my attention was coming from people who were claiming to be Christians. So I was full of joy, but heartbroken at the same time this was not just an emotional thing that I was feeling. It was literally having an effect on my physical body. I felt like spewing up something. I felt almost sick to my stomach where I was almost on the verge of like throwing up and could not shake this. And I continued about my day. And finally at about nine o'clock last night, I had gotten up. I tried to lay down. I was praying. I couldn't, I couldn't feel like I was getting any breakthrough and I'm back and forth and I'm, I'm sitting, Kelsey's out of town, her and Asher, and we just got Aiden back and, and Aiden took a nap and I'm just sitting there and I'm praying and I'm literally praying probably for two hours, trying to get breakthrough, asking God what in the world is going on. And finally I broke down and I said, Lord, I'm just, I'm going to have to call a brother. I'm going to have to call a fellow pastor. I'm going to have to call somebody and ask them, look am I going crazy or or is this some kind of spiritual attack or what is going on and so I picked up the phone and I called a local pastor here in town good friend of mine I trust him I know that he loves the Lord and I began to share with him what was going on with me and my body and my spirit disturbed but at the same time I was joyous and he said Caleb do you understand what is going on I said no brother that's why I called you <laughs> He said, he said, Caleb, you're feeling the heart of God. <laughs> Caleb, you're feeling the heart of God right now. Because a great victory has been given to the church today. 50 years of prayer and fasting. And now we're working towards the safest place on the face of the earth becoming once again the safest place on the face of the earth but he said Caleb you're feeling the heart of God right now 
Because God is very joyous in this moment. He's happy. He's happy for his people. The incense and the prayers have risen up to the throne room. And he set something in place and reversed this thing. But yet he is heartbroken. Because of the aftermath of it. And and when he said this, it clicked in my spirit immediately. And the Holy Spirit affirmed his statement And said immediately, yes, this is what you are feeling. The Father in heaven is extremely joyous and happy about what took place this week. Look, life won, heaven won. But God was extremely heartbroken and grieved from what he was seeing in our nation. And not just our nation, but from folks who belong to him. The sickness in my stomach and mind was him wanting to spew out a lukewarm church that was trying to explain away the bloodshed of innocent children. Folks in a rage. Folks gritting their teeth and spitting and spewing and picketing and rioting and protesting and doing all of these things because a baby would have a chance to live. Gritting their teeth and shaking their fist at this. The Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So if the Bible tells you, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, this means that the Holy Spirit can be grieved. And can I tell you, my friends, he was grieved yesterday. I was feeling yesterday the heart of God because he was so pleased for this momentous day that justice had been executed on the earth, that the prayers and fasting had been answered of 50 years of prayers and fasting because he had great joy in answering those, pla- those prayers while all at the same time feeling grieved and saddened and brokenhearted at the deception and the wickedness of mankind. Watch this. Do you understand that abortion or child sacrifice is nothing new to God or the Bible or this earth? Let me explain. You see, the children of Israel would turn from God from time to time. And he would execute judgment on them and it would bring them back into the fold. See, God's judgment can actually get your attention sometime. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Come on. I said the judgment of God can get your attention sometime. So they would return back to him. And watch this. The gods with a little g of the Old Testament, they would do this where the, the gods of the Old Testament, that they would sacrifice their babies and children. We're talking about the children of Israel. God's people. God's people would get influenced by the nations and the people around them. Y'all catching this? Would get influenced by the people around them, and they thought that it was okay. He even in Deuteronomy, he tells them, don't y'all dare sacrifice no babies to me. Don't you dare do that. Don't you be like those other nations that sacrifice children to their gods. Don't be like that. And watch this. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Do you understand that even in the Old Testament, go, go fact check me. <laughs> Every single time, and, and these other nations and these other cultures, do you understand they were always doing it for economic gain? They were always doing this for economic gain. They would sacrifice them so that the financial burdens wouldn't be on the family. They would sacrifice them for the rain. They would sacrifice them for the crops and the harvest so that their economies would flourish. We in America think that we aren't archaic like that. Come on. We don't think that we're cultish like that. Those people are depraved like that. Who would sacrifice their own kids for economic gain? But can I tell you how many times I've heard over the last couple of days and over the last several, what about the kids who will grow up poor or who will grow up with their mom struggling financially and economically what about them what about them let's help them 
Let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. Come on. Let's go pray with them. Let's go feed them. Come on. I'm telling y'all right now, y'all better get ready for pastor because I'm fixing to be on one. We are going into the streets. We're going into foster care. We're going into these places and we are going to get some babies out. We're going to adopt some babies and I'm getting ahead of myself. But let me tell you something right now. It's the church of Jesus Christ that will take these babies in. Come on, Miss Rhonda. It's the church of Jesus Christ that will turn the tide around. Come on, if y'all, if they're going to stop killing them, we're going to take them. Come on, it's God's church. It's his bride that's going to step up to the plate. I know plenty of people that are already done it, that are already doing it, and that are ready and willing to step up to the plate and make things happen. Come on. Come on. Let's help them. Let's get them food. Let's get them a place to live. Come on, America. Let's educate them. Let's get them a better life. Let's take the billions. Here's a crazy thought. Let's take the billions that we have invested in Planned Parenthood and give it to the foster care system. Come on. Let's give it to Christians and people of God who are ready to take these babies. Come on. Answer this for me, America. Why does it take two or three thousand dollars to have an abortion, but it costs thirty thousand dollars to adopt a baby? Y'all hearing me this morning? America, government of the United States of America. I hope this goes viral. Share it today because it's the church of Jesus Christ that's ready to take the babies. Come on, bring them to the house of God and let me show you what to do with them. We'll clothe them. We'll feed them. We'll love them. We'll take them on. We'll teach them Jesus. We'll teach them how to love the world. We will teach them how to love people and love God. And we'll watch our society change and turn around for the good. And Joe Biden, guess what? I love you, brother, and I'm praying for you, man. But let me tell you something. It's the church that can turn the tide around. And while I'm at it, let me tell you something, too. A five-year-old don't have no idea what their sexual orientation is. And we stop the killing of the babies, and we're coming for y'all that are trying to sexualize our kids. the church of Jesus Christ that's going to fix this thing. I said it's the church of Jesus Christ that's going to fix this thing. We need a revival of sanity in America. We need a revival of sanity in America. And watch this. We need a revival of the fear of the Lord. We need a revival of the fear of the Lord in America. Proverbs 8.13 says this. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Let me repeat that. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, a perverted mouth I hate. That's your Bible. Come on. One of the sevenfold spirits that was to be on the Messiah, that was to be on the Christ, was the fear of the Lord. It was one of the qualifications to make him the son of God. To make him the Christ. Aren't we little Christ Christians? Do you understand what that means? That means little Christ-like one. Little anointed one in the earth. Little Christ, little hands and feet of Jesus. And if that was one of Jesus' qualifications was to operate in the fear of the Lord, what makes us think that we don't need to operate in the fear of the Lord? Come on. Jesus says, we we live in a nation that's lacking the fear of the Lord. Jesus says, why in the world do y'all care and fear people who can only destroy your body. Why would you not fear God who can destroy both the body and your soul? So we need the fear of the Lord. And if we need the fear of the Lord, it would help you to know what it is, right? Well, one facet of the fear of the Lord is to hate what is evil, meaning to hate what God hates. Come on, watch this. Did you read, did y'all hear Psalm 139 a minute ago? 
if you only would put the wicked to death, God, leave me, you men of bloodshed, men of bloodshed that are violent and angry and murderous and killing. Leave me is what the psalmist says. For they speak against you wickedly. I told you earlier, I had people telling me that God creates child molesters and murderers. God does not create those things. They speak, they speak wickedly and evil against you. And your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with an utmost hatred. They have become my enemies. The Bible, do I not hate? Those that hate you. Do I not hate what you hate is what the psalmist is saying. Is your enemy, God, not, not my enemy. Come on, come on. Your enemy, God, is my enemy. And we have come to this place where we have tried to make friends with the enemy. And we've called it love. Help me, Holy Spirit. We have come to this place in the westernized church and in the church in America where we have tolerated things and we have begun to call wicked good and good wicked and we have come to this place in our nation where where we do not hate what God hates and we have have made friends with the enemies of God and we've said it's about love don't you love anybody The Bible, not your opinion, the Bible just said that we should hate what God hates. We should hate what God hates. We can love our enemies while not making a treaty with them. We need to love what God loves and hate what God hates. I'm sure the next question is, well, what does God hate, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. Proverbs. Chapter 6. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that run rapidly to evil. A false witness that declares lies, and one who, watch this, spreads strife amongst the brethren. Man, I just, maybe I'll preach this next week, man. We'll just finish drip, because there's so much stuff here. We, 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 we go on, we can name a big old long list of sins, right? Most of them will name off sexual stuff and immorality and all those things, and I get that. But did you understand, those, those aren't even the things that the Lord hates. We make excuse for lying tongues and we call it white lie. It's just a little lie. Just a little lie. We walk around with pride and arrogance all over us, acting like we're better than people. But the Bible said that God hates that. Come on, we lie. We, we've, we've tried to justify in our minds this thing with abortion, but God says he hates those who shed the blood of the innocent. Watch this, and he goes on, that run rapidly to evil. People that run rapidly to sin and run towards it. Those who declare a false witness and breed about lies. And watch this, one who spreads up strife among the brothers. Oh, Lord, help me. You better stop stirring up trouble in the church if you're stirring it up in the church. You better keep your lips off God's people and the brothers and sisters in Christ because the Bible says that God hates that. It's an abomination to him. So all this church strife and church splits and taking this and that and trying to get people with you and talking about this one and talking about that one, do you understand that the Bible says that God hates that? Haughty eyes meaning pride, folks that lie, hands that shed the blood of the innocent. What is more innocent than a precious baby? Look at heavenly over there. I just almost want, my gosh, man, what is more innocent than that right there? 
So the Bible just gave you permission to hate some things in the earth, not people. So don't, so don't, you, don't you dare do that to me. Uh-uh. Y'all ain't, hitting, y'all ain't getting me there. Uh-uh. No, ma'am, no, sir. I didn't tell you you can hate people. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, powers, and wickedness, and spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. Come on. Your problem is not people. Your problem is the spirit behind the people. So I didn't tell you you can hate people, but you can hate the sin. Come on. You can love the sinner, but hate the sin. Come on. Psalm 9710 says, hate evil, you who love the Lord. Hate evil. Not people. That rhyme. Here I go again. Come on. I'm put that on the track. Put that on the track. Hey, evil. Not people. Hey, evil. Not people. All right. Never mind. Never mind. Come on. I got to get through with this. I still got 10 pages of notes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm almost done. There is one that is on the list, and we're talking mainly about it today. God hates, that's a strong word, those who shed the blood of the innocent. And not just all babies, but the innocent. When their blood is shed, God hates it. Why don't we? (laughs) Why don't we? Now, hear me out. I'm going to get on us, too. Don't, Don't you dare be crying about pro choice and abortion and all these things if you won't hate injustice. Oh, it's quiet in here. Come on, if you can't call out racism and injustice and the bloodshed of innocent people, then don't don't be crying about abortion either. Because the Bible says he hates the bloodshed of the innocent. So if the individual is innocent and their blood is being shed, that's called injustice which has been prevalent in our country as well. So if we're going to be pro-life, let's be pro-life. Come on, if we're going to be pro-life, let's be pro-life. Now here, let me flip the switch on you too because nobody's getting away free today. Come on, if, if you can't love life in the womb, I don't want to hear about you loving people in the streets because <laughs> that's another one that gets thrown around. Real foolishly today. Well, we, why are we going to stop abortion? We ain't stopping them killing people in the street. If you can't respect life in the womb that your Bible just told you that God intricately is weaving this baby while in the womb. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before you were in the womb, meaning that your spirit was with God in heaven before you ever got here. And now he's shaping and fashioning you a body and placing things on the inside of you and placing destiny on the inside of you and placing love and compassion on the inside of you, placing your destiny, your career, your job, the way that you are supposed to look, the way that you're supposed to talk, the way that you love, the way that you you function in the earth. Don't tell me that you care about life out here if you don't care about life in there. It's a two-way street. It's a two-way street, y'all. We're better than this. We're better than this. I couldn't shake what the Lord had told me to talk about today. What the Lord told me to share with you today and anyone else who might listen or tune in today, that life is important. Life is important to God. Your life is important to God. Number one, every life that is alive on the earth is important to God. Number two, watch this. God cares about every life that is in the womb. Number three, God cares about every life that was in heaven with him that's now waiting for its body that the parents have made it. Do y'all understand that? Do do y'all understand that? That God cares about life so much because he was so heavily involved in every step of the process. (laughs) I don't know y'all get it. He was with you before you ever got here. You were created in the lamb, and the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. So he was with you before you got here. He was with you in the womb, and he's with you as you're walking throughout life, if you have said yes to him, right? 
So this is why God cares about life so much. It's because he's heavily involved in it. He is life. Do you understand that when you came out of the womb, God was there. He's the one that gave you your breath. It's what he did with Adam in the garden. Verse 13, you created my innermost parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you because I am awesomely and wonderfully made. That verse just told you that God is involved still with his creation at the point of conception in the mother's womb. Christians, (laughs) conception means that God was involved. (laughs) Nothing to argue about with it, no more. He was there. God has created, watch this, the innermost parts of you there, the deep things of yourself, who you are supposed to be and who you are supposed to come. The assignment for your life is put on you there. God gives you the strength. God gives you the fortitude. God places that stubbornness that's on the inside of you in your mother's womb that will help you to not quit in life when things get tough. Come on, somebody. Come on, God places in your mother's womb the desire to know your creator and where you come from. God places the compassion on the inside of you in your mother's womb that when you see somebody in need that you go and help them. Come on. That stuff doesn't come from you. That stuff comes from God. And the Bible said that he did that in your, those are your innermost parts. And he did that while you was in the womb. Your innermost parts, your personality, the way that you laugh, the way that you cry, the way that you love, the way that you look, your innermost part, it all comes from a loving father who is shaping you and forming you in your mother's womb. The book of Jeremiah says, I knew you even before you were in your mother's womb. Meaning that your spirit was with God in the beginning. The Bible says that you were in the lamb and the lamb was slain before the foundation of the very world. And we're and we'll talk more about that, you know, some next week. But are y'all are y'all picking up what I'm dropping today? Because this is this is graphic. But God's heart is broken over 65 million babies in America alone. Because he was there working on the individual, shaping them and molding them into the person that he was going to create them to be, the person and the assignment, a person who had the potential to be filled with the Christ and become the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. But that never happened because we've got doctors taking medical instruments and crushing skulls and taking vacuums and sucking them out of wounds. Oh, it's graphic, but... But we we must understand this. God is doing his most incredible work. Feel the heaviness of that? God is doing his most incredible work that he does on the face of the earth by shaping and molding a child in the womb. And we're going in the middle of it and saying, nope, not today, God. No, 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 not, not today. We're not having that today, God. My, my body, my choice. When you're forgetting that you didn't make your body, he did. You're just borrowing it. From the dust you came and the dust you shall return. I'm almost done. Y'all Okay. Brandon, come help me. They need, they need some, they're going to need some help. <laughs> Do you understand that the enemy has tried to convince people that this isn't a big deal, that this is about politics or a woman's right to choose for something. First of all, my gosh. The depravity of man in that statement is so evident. Who in the world do we think that we are? We don't give life. 
So you don't have the right to take it. The right to choose? To, to choose murder? We think this is about politics or human rights? By the way, you're not qualified to talk about civil rights if you can't understand basic human rights. Because everybody deserves a chance to live. Black, white, brown, poor. Don't matter. They deserve a chance. The enemy has come as, wolf, as a wolf in sheep's clothing. The enemy has come as a wolf in sheep's clothing. And what he has tried to do, watch this, the enemy through abortion has tried to kill off and shut the mouths of the prophets. The enemy has tried to abort the fivefold ministry. The enemy has tried to kill off doctors. The enemy has tried to kill off people that would make extraordinary amounts of money in the earth and fund the kingdom of God. The enemy is just wrecking havoc with this thing. And we think that this is about politics. No, this is about good versus evil. This is about your adversary and your enemy who wants to take you out. He wants to take out generations behind you. He wants to take out the next generation. He wants to take out the generation that will help usher in the presence of Jesus returning to the earth because Jesus will not return until all the gospel has went forth into the world y'all understand that they were killing babies when Moses came into the earth they were killing babies when Jesus came to the earth let me tell you something right now my friends Jesus is coming back the Lord is coming back that's why it's so important that we be right with him Watch this. I want y'all to think about this today as we're closing. God has used, I told y'all earlier that, that that sickness that I was feeling in my stomach and on my physical body, it was God's, God rested on me by his spirit and showed me what that really felt like. Because all I wanted to do was just, I couldn't vomit, I didn't have to vomit, but I just felt this churning in my stomach to spew out something that was lukewarm. The lukewarm church. Come on. Do you understand that what God has done over the last couple of years, that he has used this thing extraordinarily? Because God has used the last couple of years to clean out his church. Because <laughs> God works all things out. All things. First it was COVID. Then we had an election. The church gets divided over COVID. The church gets divided over an election. Then there's the vaccine shot versus no shot. And now here we go again. Do y'all y'all see what the Lord, he's drawing a line in the sand. God is drawing a line in the sand. And that line is what's going to be able to tell who are the sons of God and who are the sons of disobedience. Because you're either for him or you're against him. You either gather or you scatter. Do you understand that when you live a lukewarm life, that you, people are watching, people are watching us as Christians and believers right now. And when you walk and you have a lukewarm life, they're looking at that and saying, I told you. Church of Jesus Christ, we're better than this. I'm talking capital C church. I'm not talking about Canvas Shelbyville this morning. Capital C church, we're better than this. When it comes to the issue of abortion, there's not even an argument. There's not even a discussion. <laughs> there's, there's, it, there's no situation. None. I didn't make the rules. God did. All I did is bring the bread. All I've done is bring the word today. And watch this. <laughs> Let me prepare you for when you leave today.
When you obey God's word and you preach God's word and you live out God's word, you will look very radical to the lukewarm. And you'll look real radical to those who don't even follow God. But it's what the Father has called us to. Because if you're a friend of the world, you're at enmity against God. There's another scripture for you. When you obey God's word, you look real radical to the lukewarm. I'm just going to say this, and I'm about done, and I'm, I'm about to close. But let me tell you something right now. If you believe, or you are mad, or you ups, are upset that babies are having a chance to live, and you're mad or you're upset about a woman's right to choose, and you call yourself a believer, a disciple of Jesus Christ, and a Christian, you better do a serious heart check and evaluation check. If you're mad, if you're upset about this, if you're not in agreement with this, here's the only, by the way, this is just the start. This is still left up to the states. There's states all over the place that are still going to allow this. But if you have that in your heart, I'm, I am pleading, I'm, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you by the unction of the Holy Spirit right now. I beg you, please ask God to remove that from your heart. If you believe in Jesus Christ, but you think that this is okay, I beg you, I implore you, please do a heart evaluation. Say, God, help me. God, save me. Because it's wicked and he hates it. And you as a believer and a child of God are called to hate what he hates and to love what he loves. Now, hear me out too. Can I just, all right, let's just, let's, let's be transparent. I'm almost done. Let's, 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 let's meet, let me meet you in a minute. You understand that I have a child in heaven right now over abortion. I'm not speaking to you on a topic that I know nothing about. Before I came to Christ and before I came and went through Teen Challenge, I had gotten a girl pregnant that I was seeing and that I was dating. And I told her that I, I didn't want to be with her, that I wasn't going to be with her, but that I would take care of the baby. And she knew that I would because I was already raising my 14-year-old on my own. His mom had left packed her bags and rolled out. Now hear me out, I was a blubbering mess. My life was a mess. I was a drug dealer, I was a drug addict. My life was an absolute mess. But I grew up in a home where children mattered. Thank God for my mom and my father that raised me with enough sense to know that children matter, that they're innocent, that, that they, we, don't, we don't get to pick and choose what happens to us. But God will use it all. And I begged this girl, do not go do this. And she told me she was going to get an abortion. You understand that I had no right, no voice to do anything about it. And now I have a daughter or son maybe who's in heaven, not here with me and Asher and Aiden and Kelsey because of this thing here in America. And I take a lot of responsibility for that too because I could have been a better man. But we should be praising and thanking our God that nobody else will have to go through that. And hear me out. I am not here condemning her. I'm not here and not preaching from this pulpit condemning anybody who has took place or took part in an abortion. That's not what we're called to do either. We're not called to point the finger and condemn the ladies who have took part in this. This has been a societal and a cultural issue for the last 50 years. Women, it's been pounded in their mind that this is normal, that this is okay, that this is health care. 
And do you understand? Now, women, y'all might get mad at me at this, but the Bible Bible says that y'all are the weaker vessel, though. It was Eve that was deceived in the garden. This is not throwing shots at women. Hear me what I'm telling you right now. It's us men who should have been leading the way and men of God that should have said, this can never be. We can never let our women go through it. We should be protecting our women. Our women should never have to go through this. So we do not condemn. There is grace and forgiveness for the lady who has went through this. And we're the ones that are called to restore them. Why? Because Jesus is the only one who can restore and you carry him on the inside of you. You talking to that woman might be the only thing that can get her to realize, oh my gosh, what a mistake I made. But but, but God loves me and he's not mad at me that, that he forgives me that he sent his one and only son to die for me that even though I had participated in this even though I participated in a bunch of things that were wrong in my life that, that God forgives me yes that's the gospel that's the gospel watch this and here's the other part of the gospel that you and I are the hands and feet of the master. So I'm not getting up here today and grabbing a microphone and going live on the internet, blasting this thing and calling this stuff out and going to sit back and do nothing about it. I said it earlier, we as a church, y'all better get ready because pastors got vision. I've got things boiling up on the inside of me for us to go out and to accomplish in our communities when it comes to this thing. We cannot be a people that just talk about pro-life, but then we sit back and we do nothing. That would be just as wicked and evil. And oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus says that what good is it? No, James. James says, what good is it for you to walk past a man who's sitting there homeless and hungry and you have bread and you have food and you have a jacket, but you walk past him and be blessed and you don't give him what he needs when you have it. <laughs> so us as the church, I'm talking capital C church and yes, this church, Canvas Chevyville, we're going to do something. The Christians in America... We're going to do something. Christians at Canvas Chevyville, we're going to do something. On that live stream right now, anybody who's watching me, if you call yourself a believer, it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us to rise up. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time to clothe. It's time to feed. It's time to pray. It's time to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Stand with me. Father, we love you. Lord, we worship you and we give you praise. Father, equip the church right now. I'm asking in the name of Jesus. Lord, send us the resources, God. Send us the resources. Send the church the resources. Your word says in Proverbs 22 that the wealth of the wicked will be turned over to the righteous. And so, God, I'm calling it in right now that those funds that have have funded Planned Parenthood for year and year and year after year and abortion after abortion, that the government would wake up and say, okay, the church wanted this overturned. It's overturned. Now let's give them a resource that can make this thing happen. Father, we call in the millions and the billions into the church so that we can reach the children so that we can save the children, so that we can adopt the children, so that we can feed the children, so that we can clothe the children, so that we can heal the sick. Lord, give us the resources to turn this thing around. Lord, I'm I'm praying and I'm believing that these people within the sound of my voice, that each and every one of us, God, you will convict us to do something. That God, we will not just sit back 
and have a good church service and say, oh, pastor was fired up today. No, God, that we have the courage and the strength to go out and do something. Lord, give us the resources here at Canvas Chevyville. God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I call in grants right now. I call in grants from the government right now to the churches across America that, Lord, the wealth of the wicked will be turned over to the righteous and that, God, we would step up and step out. That, God, we would begin to raise these kids who would not have been raised in a godly home, but now they shall be raised in the house of the Lord and they shall be given and dedicated to the house of God and the people of God and the courts of heaven. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God. Lord, we thank you. Put assignments on each and every one of our lives when it comes to this situation. Father, we give you the glory. Father, we give you the praise for it. Father, we celebrate what you have done. That life is now safe. That life is now safe. Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be the church. Now, Lord, I thank you for these people within the sound of my voice. God, bless them and keep them. Lord, put a hedge of protection around them, God. Lord, may they know you and their destiny and their purpose. Lord, may they know that from their mother's womb that you were shaping them and molding them in their innermost parts. God, you're the one who placed their personality on the inside of them. You're the one who made them an introvert. You're the one who made them an extrovert. You're the one who who put that compassion for the broken on the inside of them. You are the one who made them look the way that they look. That, God, you never made a mistake. That, God, we, we can stop comparing ourselves to any and everybody. That, God, you made us the way that we are. And you do not make mistakes. Lord, thank you for your heart to just be so involved with your creation from start to finish hallelujah from start to finish God you are with us you are with us father we thank you for your son Jesus Christ that enables us to be born again, that enables us to know who you are, for he is the express image of the Father. He is the visible image of the invisible God, the firstborn among creation. Lord, we thank you for him and the blood that was shed on Calvary's hill. Lord, we honor you in this house, God, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for what happened in worship, God, with you coming and being with your people, for the whispers of destiny and purpose in the years of your people today. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and the church said amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you would like to support the ministry of the Recovery to Recovered podcast, you could go to canvaschevyville.com or bethebushministries.com. If you're enjoying the content that you are receiving here on the show, you can also follow me on social media on TikTok at Pastor Caleb Mack, as well as Instagram, Pastor Caleb Mack, and on Facebook under Caleb McCall. Be blessed. Until next time on the Recovery to Recovered podcast.